Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Neil Garfield Show, a presentation sponsored by the Living Lies blog, GTC Honors, LendingLies.com, and The Garfield Firm. Servicing all 50 states and 24 countries with news and analysis about the largest economic crime in human history. This program is for general information only and should not be used as a substitute for legal advice or consultation with a licensed professional. This show is not intended as a solicitation for the engagement of any services. And now, presenting world-renowned author, trial lawyer, CLE lecturer, and court-approved expert witness on securitization of debt, Neil Garfield. Fighting ghosts is challenging, but not impossible. Hi, this is Neil Garfield, and this is Thursday, September 2nd, 2021. I wish you a happy Labor Day in advance, and Yom Tov, good holiday to those who observe the Jewish New Year Rosh Hashanah. I'm broadcasting live from Duval County, Florida. Foreclosure defense is like the Twilight Zone. The other side keeps playing musical chairs with the parties, the servicers, the lawyers, and the documents. What they are saying almost sounds right. But something is missing. Something is not quite right. Homeowners across the country for the last 20 years have felt it. But they couldn't put their finger on it. Lawyers get confused by it, and then they fail to make objections or challenges because they don't want the board judge on the case to get angry with them, or maybe just because their style or lack of confidence leads them to be less active in litigation. Ask anyone. Ask anyone who has been required to deal with what they thought was their loan account, and you will get the same answer. None of them, and you won't, ever get to speak to anyone in charge of anything. And correspondence and notices are inconsistent and conflicting. If you know what you are doing, you can use all of that against them. And you can protect your home and possibly even more benefits. You never get a signed letter from a servicer or any letter from the party who will eventually be named as your creditor. The party that will be named as your creditor creditor will be named when a computer decides it is time to foreclose on your home. The fact that you didn't get a signed letter, that's something you can use too. Technically, an unsigned letter is almost no letter. You can ask for confirmation of the writing of the letter but do it in writing. The answers, or actually the non-answers, might surprise you. And while you're at it, of course, as in all correspondence or contacts, you should be hammering them about not receiving any acknowledgement from the 
the creditor that they say they are representing. You'll never get it. And that, too, can be used against them. Let me give you an example. The usual way that things go with this is you get a notice that says, Hi, we're Mr. Cooper or Aquin or whoever, and we are the servicer. Well, they're nowhere on your note or mortgage. They're nowhere on any of your closing documents. And here they are coming out of the blue saying, we are your servicer. The law requires the actual creditor to make that appointment and to give you notice of it. But you're never going to see that. And even if you go to mediation in court and you ask for acknowledgement of the party they said is the is the creditor, you won't get it. That's a fact that can be used against them. Now, this is all kind of like weaving, and it's not the easiest thing to conceive of, and that's why you need professional help. Remember always that you are not in the present environment. You're not ever dealing with people. You're not dealing with a human being. You're not dealing with human decision. You're not dealing with human authority. You're not dealing with human acts. You are dealing with a computer that is designed to run independently of of human intervention, thought, decision-making, or authorization. And that, too, can be used against them. Again, it's much easier to get this done with a professional that knows what they're doing. The fact that this is being done through computers allows for deniability because when it comes down to any one specific event that occurred, the defense can be made that no human did it and therefore nobody is responsible for whatever the error or irresponsible act was. Yet the law specifically holds such acts to be legally the responsibility of humans who engineered the scheme, which in this case would be the investment banks. And when they deny it, it sounds plausible enough to get through the system. It is challenged by timely, proper, persistent, and effective action. That computer will send out instructions to a law firm to initiate foreclosure proceedings. Now, the way this happens is There's no phone call, there's no letter, there's not even an email. The law firm logs in or has a a dedicated device and up on the screen pops out its instructions which it prints out. The law firm has no way of knowing where those instructions originated. 
And it doesn't ask because it's been told not to ask. In fact, that's part of the deal. Don't ask. That's part of the deal with the companies that are claimed by the lawyer to be a servicer. Don't ask. The computer decides when the lawyer should start and who the lawyer should name or designate as a creditor and who is named by the computer or designated by the computer to be named as servicer. That so-called boarding process is a sham. It's a myth. It doesn't occur. The actual functions of receipt of money and, and, and distributions to third parties, whether you want to call them creditors or not, those functions are not performed by the parties that you identify as a servicer because you've been told they're a servicer. Those functions are performed by Fiserv, CoreLogic, Black Knight, etc., in concert with each other. These are just predetermined names, not companies tasked with performing any actual function or activity. I know this is hard to believe. I get that. I've been spending 16 years on, on this. Believe me, I understand that it's hard to believe and uh, skepticism abounds. So don't believe me. Just test it in court. Almost everyone who does that gets ahead in court. And frankly, testing it in court or even before court with a qualified written request, debt validation letter, or maybe a lawsuit to enforce it, that's the stuff you should be doing in litigation anyway. And wouldn't you like to know that you don't actually owe the party that the lawyer is claiming to be a client, that you don't owe them anything? It may be that that debt that got started or at least recited back at the origination of what you thought was a loan it may be that that still exists, but that doesn't mean you owe it to just anybody. It means that you owe it to the party who actually paid value for the underlying debt, which is usually the lender. But now, for the last 25 years, it's been a successor to the lender. So that party can only step into the shoes of the lender if it pays the lender value for the underlying debt. That's how they get on their balance sheet or their accounting ledger an entry that says decrease cash by whatever they paid and increase loan account uh, by whatever they paid. That's, that's the value placed on uh, the ledger and eventually the balance sheet as a loan account receivable. The computer decides what figures to use, not what the, the so-called servicer, not the lawyer. 
and it will provide access to forms that are already prepared according to algorithms for the computer to create notices or even fabricate documents that are then sent to third parties who pretend that they are authorized signers who in turn take people off the street, robo-signers, and have them sign not knowing what is in the document or even just getting them to allow their signature to be used on documents which they will never see, much less understand. Such documentation would be uniformly and is currently uniformly rejected by the very same banks who are using this process. If they were requested to accept such a process in order for them to spend money or lend money. We're supposed to be a society of laws, not people, not machines. But we live in a world where the practice of business is all about plausible deniability. You may have heard that phrase before. Plausible deniability is all about being able to deny something that happened or to deny responsibility for what happened in a way that sounds like it might be true that you didn't know or you didn't do it. In fact, virtually all the actions taken in connection with the schemes of uh, origination, with the schemes of securitization, and with the schemes of um, uh, foreclosure. All of those involve illegal action of pe by people who, who accept the idea that they won't ask questions even though by now, in the public domain, it's crystal clear that fabricated, uh, post-dated, pre-dated documents uh, with false recitations of transactions that never occurred have been used. That's what the 50-state settlement was based on, and they promised never to use fabricated documents again, and they never skipped a beat. They kept using them. We have the current policy of laissez-faire enforcement of existing law to thank for all this. Teddy Roosevelt thought he had solved the problem when he busted up the trusts over 100 years ago, but the trusts are back, and they're worse than ever. People who defend current practices by using the slogan of free markets are lying. A controlled market is not a free market. In a free market, buyers would at least have reasonable access to plainly worded information about the deals they are being coerced into signing. Today's market, they don't even know they're being coerced into signing into a deal that they don't know the details of. In fact, all they know is what they've been told, and what they've been told is that this is a standard conventional loan. In fact, there would be no transaction without the sale of securities. There would be no sale of securities without that transaction. 
that makes a difference because if the disclosure required by the Truth in Lending Act was made to the homeowner, the buyer of this financial product, then the homeowner would know that the investment bank is involved. That's one thing that they didn't know before. And that the investment bank is just acting as a broker, but is going to collect revenue equal to an average of 12 times or more, whatever the transaction is. So the homeowner would know in a free market that their action is the basis for selling those securities. And the homeowner would have an opportunity to consult professionals and bargain for a share of that revenue instead of paying back the, all the money that was being given to them as a so-called loan. And for the other side, the lender would be a lender only if they established a loan receivable account, as I just described. But they don't, because that's the whole point. Because if they did establish a loan account, then all these sales of layers of securities would amount to selling the same debt over and over again. But they're not selling the debt. That's the big lie. They're not selling the debt. So it's not been true for decades, and it especially not been true in the world of, for, uh, of mortgage loans since the 1990s that we have a free market. The hallmark of laissez-faire enforcement is allowing plausible deniability and leaving it to the individual consumer to prove otherwise. That's a burden that few, if any, consumers can afford in time, money, and energy. Agencies charged with the responsibility right now for doing that for consumers right now are walking away from the largest economic crime in human history. The CFPB, the SEC, the FDIC, Federal Reserve, etc., most of those people have at least some people in the agency that know everything that what I am saying here is true. But there's been a public policy based upon fear. The fear that the banks will freeze up the entire lending system and thereby freeze up the entire economic system, which in turn will crash our society. That is an unfounded fear. If we stop the investment banks from doing what they're doing, there are 7,000 commercial banks and credit unions in this country. They all have access to the same electronic backbone by which funds are transferred, et cetera. And they are, um, uh, they are the, the backbone of, of American banking. They have been, and they could be again, and they would take up the uh, slack if investment bankers were pushed back from commercial banking. 
Ross Perot warned of this 30 years ago. He referred to it as that sucking sound of companies sucking the government and the economy dry of all vital resources. The current methodology for committing these crimes is the use of fintech, which is in the title of this program, which is short for financial technology. There is a growing recognition in the legal community, the banking community, and the investment banking community that the functions of investment banking and commercial banking and lending have shifted entirely to computers run by technology companies. And let me remind you that these computers are programmed to run independent of human intervention or decision-making or authority. Many in the industry are saying that functions performed by technology companies fall within the definitions of banking, investment banking, lending, and servicing, and should be regulated as such. The technology companies should be regulated as bankers and servicers. But so far, they are obviously opposing that because if they didn't oppose that and it happened, then there would be complete disclosure as to what really was happening and the absence of the loan account would be extremely apparent, which would then throw into turmoil their efforts to, to administer, collect, or enforce it. By hiding behind the computers, all the players, each of whom is being paid what I call pornographic fees and commissions, they can claim that they didn't actually do anything. And so when you challenge the foreclosure, you are met with a lawyer who has never, ever had a conversation with any employee, officer, or director of any creditor. So, for example, if it's U.S. Bank as trustee on behalf of the ABC Trust, that lawyer has never spoken with U.S. Bank. That lawyer has never spoken with Deutsche Bank National Trust Company. Nor did anybody from U.S. Bank have authority to talk to the lawyer, nor did Deutsche Bank National Trust Company or Bank of New York Mellon have authority to talk to the lawyer. That attorney-client relationship that is presumed is a myth. It doesn't exist. That supposed creditor can plausibly deny then that they even knew about the foreclosure or that their name was being used. And those same lawyers accepting a fee paid through several intermediaries never ever reviewed any documents showing the ledger of the named creditor with a loan account receivable due from the homeowner to the designated or named creditor because no such loan account receivable exists. That's because they already made money. And it's also a reflection of the fact that all investors are getting paid, but they're only getting paid as long as new sales of new unregulated securities on new deals are, are being sold to investors, to other investors or maybe the same investors. But because of a, a computer did all of this, everyone can claim they didn't know the key parts of what was fraudulent or wrong or illegal. That's plausible deniability. The lawyer does not see any debits or credits made to any loan account receivable because there is no loan 
account receivable. A loan account receivable could only exist if there was an accounting entry reflecting the payment of value for the underlying obligation. Otherwise, there's nothing to record. Instead, the lawyers, like magic, see a payment history pop up on their computer screens from an unknown source. Again, they don't ask. The payment history is generated through several computers automatically and produces a report that appears to be from a company that the lawyer is scripted to tell, and he memorizes the script. The lawyer then claims that is the servicer. Does the lawyer know if that is a servicer? No. But the company that the lawyer is directed to claim as a servicer never actually sent anything out signed by any officer, director, or employee saying that they receive payments and disperse them to creditors, something that has always been required by law. Another law bites the dust because it's not being enforced. You can use this against them, too if you use the processes that I've described on the blog and in prior shows. And the company whose name is being used as a servicer, like, for example, SPS, uh, which is currently being used by its owner, Credit Suisse, who is also not a creditor of any homeowner, that company can reasonably and spectacularly claim that any errors, omissions, or violations were not actually committed by them because the function of receiving and dispersing payments was performed by third parties who were not under the control of the company that was named as the servicer. The fact that they sent a, a robo-witness to perjure themselves in, in an earlier court proceeding seems never to be raised as an issue. But the fact is when they go in to collect, enforce, or demonstrate administration over the, the non-existent loan account receivable, they are misleading the court, but they are also using a script that carefully avoids a direct statement that could be the subject for a perjury prosecution. Nonetheless, the lawyer will have memorized a script sent by a central computer and parrot out a claim that the records from that, that, that are produced under the name of that company that was designated to be named as servicer, that the, the, the records bearing that name are business records. That is, that the lawyer is claiming to be a, a servicer are business records made by the company at or near the time of each transaction, including the origination. All of that is a blatant lie. That company has nothing to do with any transaction and therefore never recorded it and no employee of theirs ever recorded it and therefore it's not a business record and it doesn't qualify as an exception to the hearsay rule. That payment history is not a ledger account. It is not evidence of the existence of a loan account receivable and those records not prepared by the company are not business records that qualify them to be admitted in, in, in a court of law but laissez-faire enforcement by the courts lets them in all the time. Part of the reason in defense of lawyers who are taking too much heat for this is that virtually 
uh, is the virtually complete absence of timely, persistent, and proper challenges to the competence, status, and records of the witness at trial or an affidavit and a motion for summary judgment. I am reporting to you that from my personal history as lead counsel for homeowners in court, even the most senior bank-leaning judge can be swayed by this and then give judgment to the homeowner. I have the judgments, I have the findings of fact, and the conclusions of law to prove it, and I have published it on my blog. Naysayers are trying to get you to ignore the facts. They are paid for their naysaying because securitization is so profitable that it generates thousands of times more revenue than anything that would be available through conventional transactions. So, as long as you can plausibly deny you are acting illegally or, uh, and intentionally, you can escape liability. So we have thousands of cases of foreclosures on homes where there was never a mortgage, only an application for a mortgage. Uh, we have cases where there's two foreclosures on the same home for the same alleged mortgage lien. And the list goes on. I have so many, there are dozens of things like that, basically all non-existent loans by any measure. So I'm gonna end from now on by this way. Don't believe a word they say. That's it for tonight, folks. Thank you for joining me. We'll see you next week. The opinions expressed on The Neil Garfield Show are those of its hosts and should not be ascribed to any other persons or entities. For more information about Neil, the blog, or upcoming seminars, please visit livinglies.me. Give us a call at 954-451-1230 or send an email to n-e-i-l-f-g-a-r-f-i-e-l-d at hotmail.com. Thank you for listening to The Neil Garfield Show. If the information has helped you, consider making a donation by visiting livinglies.me.